Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, talk about an artist, talk about a little of both. This week we're talking about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. And also on the phone we have... Donnie. Yeah, Donnie is back for the first time since Bob Dylan. Yeah, which was... When was that? Summer last time? June. June, there you go. Almost a whole year. Yeah, we were visiting Donnie, but now, due to social isolation, he is on the phone, but he still has lots to say about Tom Petty, so he is... He is what I would call an essential person to this episode. Ah, Hopefully we won't have any technical difficulties like we did last time. Let's hope not. We seem like we have everybody's voice. Last time we were in the same situation, actually. Three people were together and two people were fully separated. So we're we're pretty pretty much the same. Just roles have swip-swapped. We're just swapped around in different places. Yep. Interesting. So... Again, we listened to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and also just Tom Petty. Uh, and they... and the Traveling Wilburys. That's true. I keep forgetting that we listened to the Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> yes, you did. We listened to a lot of things this week. Action-packed. Action-packed. So how did everybody feel about listening to all of this music? I'm going to start with Dax this week. Uh, oh, I liked it. I liked everything about it. Tom Petty, one of my favorites. Uh, lots of... I could go on. I, I'm going to let you guys talk for a little bit. Jared? I enjoyed it. I. What is happening right now? Is that, is that audible? I think that's Donnie. Here. Yeah, Donnie, are you moving around? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> are you back in the rocking chair again? I am. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> last year, he was just rocking. I'm like, what are you doing? We're, we're doing something here. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Anyways. Um, I I enjoy Tom Petty. I, I feel like he is, uh, as you said uh, about Donnie, he's I feel an essential person for us to cover. Um, I I think um, you know, be, if he Donnie, <laughs> are you eating? Chips? I'm going to the floor. I'm I'm moving to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <All right>. uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like a toddler. No movement. You hear nothing. No, we nothing don't hear currently. No, not yet. All right, we... I'll wait till I start talking again. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like Tom Petty. I like the hits. I don't know if I like everything. Um, and it kind of got to a point where it was kind of the same thing a little bit. Um, once you get later on in the career, but um, I, I like. I I, th- I found him to be similar to a few other of the main people we've listened to so far, but I think he fits in. Um, uh, w- Wikipedia counts him as Heartland Rock, which right. I don't know about that. I don't. That's not who I think of when I think of Heartland Rock. I don't completely agree with it. I think it just. I for me, he's just a classic rock singer. I think he uses roots in his music, and I think that the roots are there. But I I agree. I don't know about Heartland Rock. But um, he. I don't know. I th- I mean, Dax was saying that if you listen to his greatest hits, it's one of the best things, you know, like, but, and I agree. I think I agree with that. His best songs are great. That's what I'll say, starting out. Donnie, how about you? How did you feel about listening to Tom Petty this week? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the hits are, you can defend them, but I went back, you know, the, the other songs on the album and it makes him even better because, you know, you just, you don't listen to a whole album or, you know, a whole album like, oh, I know every single song on that album. There were songs I'd never heard before this week. So it was, um, you know, a revelation. How about you, Tyler? What did you think about Tom Petty? You know, I enjoyed it less than I anticipated that I would, actually. That does not surprise I, me. I liked what I knew I was going to like, which is my favorite album and another album from the same from the later Petty era. Uh, so I was fine with that. And, you know, I think Damn the Torpedoes is a pretty good album. I'll admit that. And it's people, you know, it's upheld as one of his best albums. And I think it's good. But it just doesn't, as a whole, it, it doesn't, you know, do a whole lot for me. Uh, as I thought it might. So, I don't know. His hits, I will have to agree that his hits are... It's like Rolling Stones, but he's definitely better than Rolling Stones. I'll say that, you know? Like, I don't discredit any of the music that's not his hits, but his hits are definitely what I'm I'm fond of, if you will. Donnie, I'm sure you hate hearing that. Um... Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's okay. I mean, he's... You know, he's defending his statement, so he likes what he likes. So, okay, so I've heard a couple a couple times, I think I've heard, like, old, like later Petty has been mentioned. And I think I personally have a concept of where I think later Petty starts, but I want to see where other people think that things start to... Basically, at what point do you think it is later Petty that you're listening to? Because I... There's a lot. There's a lot of music. There are three solo albums. There are 12 Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers albums. Traveling Wilburys is in the middle. If you really want to, what was the his first band that he was a part of that didn't release an album until 2008? Mud Crutch. Thank you, Mud Crutch. Um, so you have a lot of different music happening here, and there's a certain point where you have to say, this is where things start to change. So 1991. Yep. Yeah. That's my answer. Is that after? Yeah, know. after Great Wide Open to me is the is. Yeah, because I mean, um, Full Moon Fever was a good album, and then yeah. he had another with the Heartbreakers, which was um, Into the Great Wide Open that came out in 1991, right. and then anything after that I would call later Petty, where it isn't as good necessarily. Although I do like oh, uh, Wildflowers. Yeah, everyone likes Wildflowers. It's my favorite album. It's phenomenal. It's a very, very good album. It's phenomenal. But that came out I mean, in um, the, the 80... 94. Oh, that came out in 94? Okay. Yeah. The quality of Wildflowers, even though... And I'm not trying... I do not dislike Tom Petty, but Wildflowers is so good that it makes up for the rest of his songs that I don't care for, honestly. I love that album. Have you heard the Trampled by Turtles cover of Wildflowers? I have not. I'll give it a look. On uh, Patreon, Albert. That's one of his favorite albums. It's a phenomenal album. I also really liked Full Moon Fever, though. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. a lot, too. So those are probably my two. Those are the two that I knew I was going to like and I did really like. So when when uh, Caleb made the playlist, he put all the <laughs> albums in for the Heartbreakers, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And then I was looking at the playlist and I saw, I was like, where's uh, I Won't Back Down and where's you know these other songs? And uh, I saw that he did not put Full Moon Fever in because he was only doing the Heartbreaker stuff and he didn't do the solo stuff. And I was like, we might as like don't just do all the the Heartbreaker stuff because his solo album is 
better than most of the Heartbreakers later stuff. So I went ahead and put Caleb put the other yeah. solo albums and he added some other stuff too. And then the uh, Traveling Wheelbarrows, which I hope we talked about a little bit. Well, I actually feel like I'm very glad that you added Tom Petty's albums because I personally, like, not that I didn't like any of the Heartbreakers music, but I thought that his solo work was better than anything the Heartbreakers did. I think that Full Moon Fever and uh, Wildflowers were his two best albums as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you listen to his third album, uh, Highway Companion, mm-hmm. um, that one is, you know, it's kind of like Full Moon Fever, but it doesn't have as many big, big songs on. It's not as grand in scope as Full Moon Fever is, but it has a similar tone. So I think overall, I like Tom Petty's solo work a lot, but there were so many misses for me for the Heartbreakers in different points that it's hard for me to say that I enjoyed all of the Heartbreakers. I enjoyed parts of the Heartbreakers, I think. That's pretty much where I'm sitting. I think I think we're in the same spot, really. I, I feel like the Tom Petty '80s uh, stuff is kind of similar to what we got when we got um, listened to the ZZ Top from Jay ZZ Top, like where he's sure. trying to do n- different stuff in the '80s, and even like some of Bob Dylan's '80s albums as well. Uh, tight connection to your heart and stuff like that. It was just like somebody that um, had success in the '70s trying to change what they were doing to like be successful in the '80s. So you had some people that were just like sticking to their same thing. And then you had some people that were like completely changing their style to try and fit with the, you know, what was going on. Like Michael Jackson had success in the seventies, but really didn't change very much in the eighties and still continued to have like even more success, but he didn't do anything. He just became what eighties music is. Everybody else changed for him. Whereas everybody else, you know what I mean? They were changing because, Michael Jackson and Madonna changed how pop music sounded. Yeah. I and that's why I think for me the album where things really started to change was Southern Accents. I agree completely. Yeah, definitely Southern Accents was where they started to do stuff that was different in my opinion. I wrote down a note from to to remind myself that I thought he was one of the least affected artists by the 80s sound, which I put that in, you know, air quotes because what is that 85 and instead of going full on with the 80s sound he's going with southern accents which is kind of a different direction for him and the way that everyone else was going it definitely pulls a little bit of the 80s sound in but it's not it's not spread throughout the album by any means it's just on a couple songs i think like don't come around here no more has got a little bit of that feel to it but apart from like that's probably the heaviest some 80s sound song i think on that album but other than that it is a little it's yeah, on Southern Accents. It's definitely more sparse. I don't think he's... And even prior to that, you know, Long After Dark came out in 82, and it, it obviously that was unaffected. Right. I think that the album that may have been the most affected by the 80s would have been Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. And I think songs like, like Runaway Trains is a super 80s song from my perspective. He's got that, yeah, the synthesizer in the beginning, but it works. He integrates it into his sound instead of like hey here's this synthesizer how can i fit it into me or me into it and i think it's a good match yeah i agree with that i would say personally to go back to the previous question uh i actually feel like later petty like like really later petty is basically starting in the 2000s 
I I think of like even Echo I think is still kind of in that same realm of things as Into the Great Wide Open and both of his solo albums within that time frame. I think that he had a very very successful decade from 89 to 99 and I think that's where the best Petty came out for me personally and I think cuz I think there were some good moments like again Tyler you mentioned Damn the Torpedoes is a really good moment. I enjoyed Southern Accents but I think that the best albums from my perspective were within that window of time. I would have to agree with you on that. I mean, that's uh, that's exactly how I feel. And, I, and Damn the Torpedoes didn't, uh, it, for me, it didn't stand out a whole lot. But I know it's good. I know it's seen as, you know, a really standout rock album of that time period. And I can respect that from the songs that are on it. But I feel, I feel pretty similarly. I mean, most of the 70s uh, work really... Other than you know the big songs, didn't just didn't really hit with me. Of course, I'm not a big. I can unlike you all. For me, Heartland Rock makes a lot more sense because, as we mentioned on um, Springsteen, like you know, this is a, a whole genre of music I've tried to escape my entire life, and I've liked Tom Petty. But as I listen to the deep cuts, it plays into, you know, all of the stuff that I was like, I don't want to listen to this anymore kind of thing from my background, you know, cause that's where I was stuck with in small town, Indiana. I'm sure you all are familiar. Uh, so I don't know, but in particular, hard promises really did nothing for me. And that's his 81 album. And there's not m- many changes on that either, but it seems just kind of like an in-between floater album for me that just doesn't it didn't really hit any any specific places. I don't know if that stood out to you guys or not. You said hard promises. Mm-hmm. The ones that did, that stood out to me as particularly not my favorite albums would have been Long After Dark and You're Gonna Get It. Those are the two to me that felt like the ones where I was just like, I, I didn't get a whole lot of anything out of them. I felt like Hard Promises was a pretty logical follow-up to Damn the Torpedoes. I think it had a lot of the same sounds. It just didn't have as many of the big songs. When he's gonna it might not be the the best. I think it's where it made him. It was a transition from, like, to the next level of of rock star, if you will, because like that whole business with the um. When he fought the record company about how much the record was gonna be. Did you read about that? No, go ahead. I remember that from story. when I was a kid. Anyway, um, he wanted it to be priced less, and he fought them for it, and you know his side won ultimately. And so he was like, even if you don't like him, his, t- his type of music or anything at that time, you're like, Oh, he's pretty cool. You know, he's, is that what, isn't that what he's Wilco not a did? big rock star because he wants his records to be lower price. You know, it was, it was a good move for him. Yeah. Wilco. Yeah. Wilco was one who did that, but I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense too. Cause I remember reading about that a little bit. He had a lot of struggles in terms of just like going into the studio and having things work. And I think that speaks a lot to his perspective on The Last DJ. I will also say, I think that that's why a lot of 89 to 99 was so successful from my perspective is because a lot of those early albums from the 80s and the 70s were really fraught with a lot of issues in terms of like the production of things. And when you get to Full Moon Fever, you have Jeff Lynne on production of The Traveling Woolberries. And he really brings out a lot of important features of Tom Petty and their sound. He does the same thing on Into the Great Wide Open. And then you have Rick Rubin coming in 
on Wildflowers, and I believe he was also on Echo, if I remember correctly. I think so. So I think that when he had when he had the right producers who could make the right sound, I think that's when things really worked. And I think that's why I didn't love a lot of what happened before then was because there were so many issues in terms of production that it was hard for them to have an album that really stood out as a full album experience. It was just kind of like this song is pretty good and this song is pretty good, but the rest I could have gotten without. It was one of those things where if you just listen to the greatest hits of Tom Petty, from the early stuff, you would have not really been missing a whole lot. But there's a lot of deep cuts from my perspective in the later albums up to about 99 that are still worth checking out. While we're on uh, Rick Rubin, uh, he did the album Unchained by uh, Johnny Cash. And also on that album is Tom Petty. He is um, on that album. He plays, uh, he does vocals, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, and Chamberlain. And he also, um, Johnny Cash covered Southern Accents on that Unchained album. So he was, everybody, like, they were all integrated um, in that, which is, you know, interesting. It's cool. I mean, like, I was looking at a lot of stuff, uh, stuff that Tom Petty has done with other people. Stevie Nicks, obviously, which uh, Dax will talk a little bit about. And then the Traveling Wilbury stuff. And he did a song with Hank Williams Jr. and Reba, which is kind of funny. And a few other people are on there, too. Um, but I mean, he didn't really have a lot of features, like he wasn't on a ton of stuff, but he did work with, you know, quite a few people, um, in the music industry, uh, and help their careers and such. Should we talk about the traveling Wilburys now? Seems like, it it seems like a good point, but let's do, let's do a song before we transition over to traveling Wilburys since we just haven't played a whole lot of Tom Petty. Yes. Or the Heartbreakers. We haven't played any music at all. No. Just the intro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just that's the why. intro. Yeah, just so. the intro. Um, I will go ahead and say my favorite, I suppose. Um, I would say, because I had a hard time deciding if I wanted to do a Tom Petty solo song or if I wanted to do a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song. And then I thought about it and I was like, it doesn't really matter. When it comes down to it, pick the song that stood out the most. And I think the song that stood out to most to me was the song off of Wildflowers, which was It's Good to Be King. Yeah, the world would swing. You know, a little tidbit about that album that makes me mad. I've been mad for years now. Well, three years. When oh, you, when are you, you not mad? I was just going to say that. Yeah, but this is a good mad. I love that album, and I don't know if you know this, but it was only pressed the one time when it was released, and it's incredibly expensive to get a copy of it on vinyl. And, yeah, and in 20, I believe it was in 2016, Tom Petty released two box sets of his entire discography. And it has the part one and part two. Part two starts uh, in 94 with Wildflowers and moves forward. And then all of the work prior to that is in box one. And in the process of doing that, he also re-released as a reissue individually every album he has created, both with the Heartbreakers and Solo, except for Wildflowers. So the only way to get it 
not an original pressing is if you buy the Tom Petty box set part two. And I bet that's a lot. It's, I mean, I just don't care to have the rest of those albums, to be completely honest. I mean, you know, a couple of them, sure, but like, I'm not super concerned. I just want Wildflowers and I can't ever, I'm never going to have it. And now he's gone and what am I going to do? Who own, who owns his estate, do you think? Is it Jeff Lynn? I don't, I don't think so. Jeff Lynn. Well, maybe. Maybe. So this would be the point where, if you would like to, this would be a good point to talk about Traveling Wilburys. All right. So I'll, <clears throat> I'll get it started here. So Traveling Wilburys uh, was George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynn of ELO, uh, Roy Orbison, and then Tom Petty. Uh, the way it started, George Harrison and Jeff Lynn were working on a record together. And they were like, you know what would be fun? We just had a band with our mates. We should do that. So uh, one of them picked Bob Dylan, one of them picked Roy Orbison, and they had a band. And uh, Bob Dylan, his backing band at that point was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So they were all hanging out, making jokes about Monty Python and whatnot. And they were like, you know what, Tom Petty? You're pretty cool. You want to be in a band? And that's why we have the Traveling Wilburys. Huh. Isn't that delightful? That is pretty cool. My favorite thing that you have told me about the Traveling Wilburys is their two albums because mm-hmm. they have volume one and volume three. Dax, please tell me why there's no volume two. Why is there no volume two? Was it Jared? Jer- I William? told you. Okay, yeah. Jared, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jared, please tell me why there's only volume one and volume three. Because George Harrison wanted to mess with the blokes. Mm. He 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 wanted uh, George. <laughs> <laughs> uh he wanted to uh to trick people basically and so they for their second album they called it volume three so that's like the whole uh releasing four pigs in a school and naming naming them one two and four is that the same thing i guess so i've never heard that you've never heard that no you've never heard of that before yeah there you go (laughs) that's a pretty good bit donnie what was your perspective on the traveling woolberries i know that a lot of those artists are ones that are incredibly important to you namely harrison dylan petty like i mean I, he likes Roy Orbison too. He right. He can. I, you want to tell the story about that? Uh, Lay, Layla said the song or Leah. Oh the, no, I don't want to do. But I don't want to tell that story. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I will. I mean, I bought this song off iTunes. It is. It's just. It was just a song I grabbed. It. You know. It's like, oh, that's cool. But it's like, it's this weird dream where he and he dies in the song. And then he's, it's like, oh, it's a dream. Oh, he's not dead. You know, it's just like, what was, you know, it's just one of those, he had some very strange styles, very strange composition, like, not just, I mean, Pretty Woman, everybody knows that, but his other songs, the actual, how they were put together, verse, 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 no chorus, or, you know, weird structures. So he was more influential in that way. You know, because nobody could sing like that. So there wasn't no point in trying to sing like him. But to try to write like him, you couldn't do that either. It was odd. He also, you know, he served as kind of a crossover artist, too, which really put him in a good spot in his in his career. Yeah, I've um, I've for the Traveling Woolberries, I I believe Donnie showed them to me a long time ago, uh, their first album. And I've enjoyed that, like several compositions from that album. Uh, over the years, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, which uh, features Bob Dylan on vocals uh, predominantly, is a very strange uh, song in Dylan's catalog. 
but Handle with Care is a really good song. Um, it's uh, what was it? It's all right. Is that the end of the line? End of the line. Yep. Yeah, that's a good song too. It's a good video. Mm-hmm. Um, but so each each member on the Traveling Wilburys album basically kind of had lead vocal um, for different songs, but then they the rest of the group normally sang backup for all the other stuff too. So, like if you look at the album, Tom Petty I think has two or three songs where he sings lead, but he's featured on you know all of them because it's, it's a super group. Yeah. I would argue it's one of the probably the bigger more important super groups even though they only had two albums and only one of them really did that much but to put that much um music legendary in one group and have them do anything a ton of talent because a lot of times like um the stuff that josh home has done from queens of the stone age like he has several different super groups where they only really just do one thing in the studio then they're gone you know like doesn't really tour on a ton of stuff well every year he has a super group album you know the desert sessions is just like he handpicks a bunch of people and they just record a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like there are a few different groups that are con- like that are con- uh, super groups, but I would say that probably the Traveling Wilburys is one of the more major important ones. The challenge is that it's thrown together, but it works. You know, like they're j- I can just picture them, you know, sitting around the next line. What's the next line? What's the next line? But, but it works. And that's the hardest thing to believe is that you know, it each sounds like each of them, but it also sounds like them together. Yeah, there's a lot of diversity on that album, really, in sound, track to track. One thing that really benefits them, in in my opinion, is that really, a, I would say pretty much everybody from that group, none of them are like the big personalities. None of them are like, you know, kind of the assholes of the music industry. And so I feel like it would be easy for them to work together. You don't think of Tom Petty and you think, oh man, that guy was hard to work with. No. I mean, Bob Dylan was at points, uh, like in the 60s, he kind of was considered an asshole because he was trying to be like, but they put this such a big pedestal on him that he kind of like anything he said was either taking, like he just messed with the press way more than probably what they gave him credit for. But at that time, in the late 80s, he was just happy to still be around, I think. You know, yeah. he, he was basically out of relevancy in 1989. Um, and then George Harrison, I mean, he's a Beatle, so he's always going to have that. But it was hard for him to get that much. Um, he's probably, I mean, he's the third in line of Beatles in terms of popularity. Ringo's only up there because he's still alive, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. Right. But he never really had that much success. Um, Roy Orbison, he was, um, his career was almost gone by the time he started this. Yeah, that's this, true. this brought him back. Well, and then he, and then he died. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, most of, I mean, uh, you've got a good point with Harrison. His his solo career was waning at that, by that point as well, you know, and he, but he did have a prominent solo career, but it didn't make it out of the seventies, you know, super well, you know, I got my mind set on you is I would say is his biggest hit. Uh, well, my sweet lord. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that stuff in the seventies was um, probably critically acclaimed way more. But I think I got my mindset on you was just a way bigger hit. But it was so like just pop. I don't want to call it nonsense or garbage because I like that song a lot. But it is so eighties pop that it really doesn't have a ton of substance. But what do you, yeah? It's like what do you do? He comes back with Cloud Nine, and then like okay, let's make a Wilbury album. It's a it's a strange move for for him to make it's you know mm-hmm. it's a strange move for bob because you know like the he's involved it's like 
you just picture him saying no. They get Orbison out of the blue. You know, it's just a crazy setup, but it, you you know how I feel. I, I just it works. Mm-hmm. Right. I think um Jeff Lynn um either produced or co wrote Cloud Nine. He produced Yeah, he it. produced it. He was I mean, he was big on like I like I mentioned earlier, Jeff Lynn was big in producing um Full Moon Fever. And that was I mean, imagine how much how much importance that must bring to Jeff Lynn as a producer to have been one of the people who helped produce the song Free Fallen or anything really anything off the album because you know, there's three really big hits off of that album, but really the whole thing is pretty consistent. Yeah. So Free Fallen and I Won't Back Down, he co-wrote with Petty. So, I mean, he's... Yeah. And I believe they... You know, Solid. They um, split the royalties and stuff on that too. So that's the... We'll talk about that Sam Smith thing here. Mm-hmm. You want you want to go ahead there. and get into it? We'll or get you want to wait? Okay. When else are you going to be able to get into it? Do you want me to do a whole, whole stint of uh, boop boops? No. <laughs> why don't before we do a whole stint why doesn't someone else tell me a favorite song how about um i'll do mine yeah because i was waiting to know what you were going to do because you told me what you were going to do but now i can do mine oh no is it, what albums are you from don't you don't you do this to me don't you do this to me well what? we may have to sh- we may have to sh- we may have to share one again that'd be fun I, I doubt it i highly doubt we'll share anything um mine is from uh long after dark really okay it's a you got lucky okay i first heard this song as a cover by a band that tyler hates very much the gaslight anthem and i did not know it was tom petty and i was like hey that's a really good song (laughs) on that same album they covered nirvana uh silver sliver 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 and uh, i was like that sounds like a nirvana song and then i looked at the thing and i was like oh that's a cover that's pretty good because i i got it but but yeah didn't get the other one well, I mean, I finally figured, I, I mean, no, because I don't know Tom Petty that much, but I really like, I mean, I like the Gaslight Anthem version quite a bit, but I like the original a lot as well. So that's my favorite Tom Petty. Oh. Yeah, I like that song a lot. It's a good 80s song. I like that synthy little bit there. That's definitely, I think, maybe the only song that I liked off of Long After Dark. Yeah, fair. I might be one of the only ones, I think. That's the only one I remember off of that one. There's a lot, and that's, I think, the biggest issue that I had with a lot of his early work um, is that it was almost always like one, two, maybe three songs that were really good hits, and then everything else just felt like filler. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of deep cuts for Tom Petty. I don't find there to be a whole lot of diversity in some of the early work either. N- not really, Donnie. Could you speak to the diversity of their early work? <laughs> no, because as much as I like it, there isn't that much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can respect there's a that. Couple, there's a couple songs. It's like, um, ooh, that's different. You know, like oh, a a ballad. Oh, kind of a, you know, like. Um, what's the the first song on the first album is kind of like it sounds like they made it up as they're going you know that's like sure oh. and then like oh no let's really record an album here and then it gets better but 
it there is a sameness if you like the same then it's it is but it is <laughs> will you do will you play just a bit of a song i, I found this to be uh, kind of funny sure um from uh let me up i've had enough will you just play the beginning of all mixed up That's it. That's it. I like that he sounded like Goofy there. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like the singing. I forgot about that part. You know, he he kind of stole the title of that song from the Cars. Oh yeah, yeah he did. That's true. And uh, wasn't was it a Three Eleven that sang Three Eleven? All mixed up. Don't know what to do. Yeah, pretty solid. That Pretty was also that women. little laughing bit at the beginning. As kind of Bob Dylan did that little laughing bit on one of his albums too. I mean, not that that's like he didn't, you know. Oh, he yeah, he he coined that. He was he, the yeah, first no, one to do it. I don't think, uh, but or I mean, even the Beatles did that a little bit too with number nine. <laughs> didn't no. what wasn't it off of both Full Moon Fever and Wildflowers? Maybe it, no, maybe it was Full Moon Fever and Into the Great Wide Open, where in the middle of the album he does the thing where he's like. Now for the people listening on CD, this is where the record has to be flipped over, the cassette. So we're going to give a second for them to prepare. Can you just play that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. Do you remember where it was? I don't. I'm assuming it was the middle. I think it was at at the end of Running Down a Dream, if I remember right. Maybe. Yeah, it would have to be. Hello, CD listeners. We've come to the point in this album where those listening on cassette or records will have to stand up or sit down and turn over the record or tape. In fairness to those listeners, we'll now take a few seconds before we begin side two. Thank you. Here's side two. That might have been like my favorite part of the whole album. Who was it? Who said, come on, you bastard? Who was, I think that was, uh, was that the landlord of, uh, was that Swan's landlord? (laughs) Who was that? Yeah, that's who it was. (laughs) It's also, I didn't it's forget. Also, also, the Minneapolis police. Oh, yeah, they're coming in to break up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're so on stupid. The, uh, <laughs> on the liner notes, it says Del Shannon made barnyard noises during that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's great. Oh, boy. Oh, man. He's known for two things. My little runaway, and then, of course, the barnyard noises. There you go. That's one one more than one thing. Yeah, that's two things. That's right. One more than one. I will say, though, a Tom Petty, as much as I am, you know, not enthused of the early work, at least they come out, you know, strong with hits. I mean, Breakdown is on their first album. That's a great song. Uh so it's you know some bands take a minute to get into the point where they're going to start making songs that are worthy of you know sometimes you come out with a really great album as your first album and you dwindle or sometimes you know you take a little bit and then you get into your own but you know as much as some of that doesn't work for me I mean he's got hits throughout all of his career yeah you know so well like American Girl was on the first album and that's like one of his bigger hits right and so yeah American Girl was on there Breakdown was on there well American Girl I think is his number. Well, it might not be his top. I think Free Fallen is the top, and then American Girl's number two on Spotify. Oh, okay, yeah. 
So. I was looking at the charts. I was looking at like Billboard hits that he's had. He only broke the top ten once, and that was with um, Free Fall, and it got to number seven. Um, but I mean, he has a lot of top ten and top fifteen songs, um, and even like it lasted so long. Like to have hits in the seventies, eighties, and nineties is pretty um, impressive for uh, rock music. You know, like I mean, like Bruce is the same way, where like he hasn't had a hit in a long time in terms of pop radio, but um, you know, like once you become that name, Petty, Springsteen, Dylan, Stones, whatever. Like, you don't have to have hits anymore because you're still going to sell out arena shows. You still have millions and millions and millions of records. Like, that kind of stuff. Being on the radio, on current radio, isn't important because your music is still being played on the radio. It's being played on classic rock radio and, you know, whatever. Arenas. Sporting, but it still got sporting to him a events. He wouldn't have had so many songs with the same topic on the last dj mm-hmm. that didn't you know irritate him yeah i'm gonna make a bunch of songs here and then you're only gonna have to listen to them in your car if you bought it you know you're not gonna or at home you know like there's no like hey maybe i'll hear it on the radio you know there is no new music he knew that mm-hmm. and that was what like oh two something like that you know like yeah. it was 2002 he knew, he knew it so, like, way, way long ago. You know, like 15 years before he even died, he knew that he was no longer radio-friendly or whatever. But not just him, a whole generation of people that were not relevant on the radio because they're only playing your, you know, your first and your second and your third albums. They're not playing what you just recorded last year mm-hmm. on on any place well it it tends to be the case that you're when you have your big hits early on in your career that's what people want and so if you even if you keep making consistent albums you know like if you have a song off of into the great wide open that's a really really big hit you don't necessarily have people looking for it because they're asking for the big hits that they already knew a long time ago it's honestly surprising that tom petty had so many big hits in 89 when he had already been making music for 15 years under the heartbreakers. But I mean, that speaks to the the success of the songs that were on full moon fever. But for the most part, you know, you don't see somebody, you don't see artists like a Rolling Stones or a Bob Dylan having new songs that are considered their best songs in the year, you know, in the 1990s, in the two thousands and the 2010s. Yeah, that's why all the hardcore Petty fans are so pissed off when they keep playing Learning to Fly at the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Dax, how about you tell me your favorite song now? My favorite song. That's, that's kind of tough, but I'm going to go with Into the Great Wide Open. Right as I talked about how most people don't play it, I love that you picked it. That's awesome. Yep. Into the Great Actually, think for me that the two gunslinger song that comes after that one is even better, but that's still a very good pick. I love that song. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. It is a good song. I also really like um, "You're So Bad." 
Yeah, that, that was, was a weird good. one. Dax, would you like to take this moment now that I've got the the spotlight on you to do your boop 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 boops? Sure, Jared. Which one should I start with? Oh me. Should I start with the Sam Smith one? Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, the song "I Won't Back Down." Uh, let's go ahead and play the chorus of that. sounds eerily similar to the Sam Smith song Stay With Me. Oh, won't you stay with me Cause you're all I need This ain't love it's clear to see But darling stay with me So that Sounds vaguely familiar, kind of. I guess uh, it's, it's just a, a slow down vocal delivery. I guess I didn't. I don't really hear it, honestly. I, oh, I, I can hear it. I don't really. Yeah, I can hear it. I, I definitely hear it. I don't know. I don't. I never really. It didn't ever come to mind for me, and it it never really. It hasn't clicked yet that it. I guess sounds like it. It's a. But, it's a, It's a pretty similar melody. It's slowed down, uh, but it's the same thing. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, there was a. There was. A lawsuit, I believe. I think they settled it. Yeah, uh, Jeff it... Lynn and Tom Petty are credited as songwriters. Yeah, and they are getting a percentage of while well, they were getting a percentage of the uh, royalties from it. Uh, Jeff Lynn, I think, got. I don't know how they ended up doing it or what how that, but I mean, he got a, a pretty big check for for that. Yeah, Tom Petty uh, is never historically one to go after people that rip off things that he does, so it's surprising that there was actually something there. I imagine it was not him that did it. It was probably someone else. Uh, but... Hadn't he already... I feel like he had already died. Well, that was he in hadn't... 2014. Didn't he pass in 17? He had not died. Okay, yeah, so that's, that's... Then I'm wrong. Yeah, seven. Yeah, so let's... um. Th- this next one's really close. According uh, to Sam Smith, he had never heard I Won't Back Down. That's not true. That that's can't be true. true. Yeah, that's a lie. That's, that has to but be he, a lie. I mean, he wrote it with other people. That's the thing. Is like even even if what he's saying is genuine, when you have three co-writers on a thing, that other per, those other two people knew, and they just brought in this idea so they get a co-writing credit, and it was a stolen yeah. idea. Basically. And I'm gonna say if you're a if you're a big musician and you haven't heard the song, I won't back down yet. You're a fraud. Go listen to that song. It's a very yep. good chance that he didn't realize it. Uh, that happens a lot where like someone will hear something and it'll get stuck in their head mm-hmm. and they'll they'll be sure that they wrote it. Like uh, true. Uh, Paul McCartney, when he wrote Let It Be, he was convinced he stole it for somebody. He showed it to everybody he knew and nobody could figure out what it was. So he just put it out. So this next one, uh, it just played Mary Jane's Last Dance. She grew up in an Indiana town, had a good looking mom. Tall and she grew up right with the Indiana boys on an Indiana night. Uh, and then just go right into Red Hot Chili Peppers, Danny California. Black Bandana, Sweet Louisiana, Robin on a 
lot of different things in those two that are very similar. The yeah. guitar mainly. Probably uh, should have let the beginning play on it. That's where you really hear that guitar. Similarly. That's what I said. That's what I. That's what yeah, I played. I agree. When um, I played on YouTube for him earlier, because he played that yeah. song, and I, I immediately thought of Dan in California. The reason I mm-hmm. played it where it was, I think, when he says Indiana, he says it the exact same way, and there's really no getting around it at that point. Like, if okay. you hear the guitar <laughs> part, you can be like, "Yeah, sure," but it's just too close. Uh huh. That's a interesting song to speak on, though. Really quickly, while we're on it, though, Mary Jane's Last Dance. It was recorded during, while they recorded uh, while while Tom Petty recorded Wildflowers, but it was released only on the Greatest Hits. It was recorded in for the Greatest Hits and released on Greatest Hits. It's not a it is not a uh, official album single yet. It's a huge hit of his. Of yeah. His. Oh yeah. It's one of the biggest ones from the Heartbreakers. Right. Uh, their Greatest Hits album. One of the best albums ever. Yeah, it's really good. It's so good. Uh, someone from Patreon was that? Was that? Was that Albert said that? That was. He listed that as one of his favorite albums, and I yeah. completely agree. I got that when I was like fifteen or something. I think. Man, I love that album. Yeah. Anyway, Great while song. we're on uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance, uh, play uh, "Waiting for the Sun" by the Jayhawks. <laughs> same thing uh pretty the, pretty darn on the nose the jayhawks i knew that one yeah yeah they they were on tour with tom petty when uh the, those songs were made so he heard it uh someone from tom petty's band was playing with the jayhawks when they wrote that he was a part of that song being made so it was all kind of a everybody in together like it, it was from that but still they were, they were all aware and knew what they were doing that's a little bit like uh lust for life are you gonna be my girl kind of thing you know it's like kind of a beat it's a guitar riff that follows a certain numerical beat kind of structure so it's kind of you know even if the notes are changed it would always sound kind of similar you know what i mean yeah uh as far as the danny california thing goes though petty's publishing team um they wanted to get the rights to it but tom petty vetoed it nice he said that kind of thing happens he didn't want to be a flea Whatever, it's the only song on that entire album that's, you know, anyone really knows other than Snow. He's not a petty hey. guy. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Uh, do do one more, because I know you've got quite a few, but pick your favorite one, because we want to... He also uh, talked about another one, uh, about his publishing team wanting to get rights for, but he was like, no, it just happens. It's, um, we'll, we'll play it, the song American Girl. <laughs> Uh, then play Last Night by The Strokes. You can, you can see the similarity there. Oh, yeah. they They talked about it. Uh, Tom Petty actually said he was proud of them for admitting it. He thought that was cool. 
He said that's just what happens in rock and roll. Seems like a good guy. Decent dude. I mean, when you've had your successes, why go after other people? Who cares? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless it's so blatant, you know, that there's a difference between being influenced by somebody and like completely ripping them off. I mean, oh, is I guess. That right? Yes. That's what I oh, think. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. But um, I think that, like, with the Sam Smith thing, like, there was money to be had there. So, and then that that kind of just what do you get if you're wrong you know it's like yeah Yeah, exactly i mean you just lose if you lose the case you just lose money but more more likely than not you're going to get the thing you know so all right i have i have one or two since i'm a guest i have two please play um of uh hard promises track five king's road That's enough. Okay, now I play the second song off of Into the Great Wide Open. What was that song called again? That song was called King's Highway. Oh, come on, Tom. <laughs> you played yourself. We <laughs> had to release a turnpike version. The Autobahn. That's the D. The um, what's it called? The uh, what are those guys called? The Autobahn guys. Um, G- Germans. Oh no! The I've lost it. You know what? I'm, the the synthesizer band. Oh, Kraftwerk. Yes, Kraftwerk. Oh, okay. and they worked with Tom Petty, and they did King's Autobahn. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he worked with them. No, he never did. He died. (laughs) Ah, too bad. Um, you had a second one? No, that's it. That was just the those two together. Oh, okay. I thought you said two because that. Well, I meant, I meant. That's what I meant. I understand now. Well, you know, you get two. So tell me your favorite Tom Petty song. Come back to me. Come back to you. Yes. Okay, so we'll go to Tyler then. Tyler, what's your favorite? My favorite Tom Petty song is from uh, Wildflowers, of course. It's been my favorite. It's been a song I've loved since I watched Mr. Deeds in 2002. You don't know how it feels. There's someone I used to see, but she don't give a damn for me. Well, let me get to the point Let's roll another joint Turn the radio to laugh I'm too alone to be proud And you don't know how it feels You don't know how it feels To be me That's a great pick Right? Did you all remember that song from that movie? So the scene where they all the city slickers come on over to pick him up in the out in the country and they're in that big old helicopter. When they first get into the country, they're flying over that field. They start playing that song. 
with the harmonica. They play the beginning of it with the harp in it. It's decent. It's before Adam Sandler started to suck at making movies. It's right on the cusp. If only we had a movie podcast where we could talk about movies. If only hmm. we talk about that. Now, go ahead. All right. So uh, we talked about uh, on our first episode of the $2 Cinema Club, which is a Patreon exclusive. If you want to hear it, go over there. It's a $2. We release one. Uh, do we do it weekly? Whenever yeah. you want, I guess. Yeah, there's no sense. Periodically. Schedule. Yeah, we're doing one next week, I think. At least at least one a month. Something like that. At least one a month, I would say. Yeah, that seems fair. Do you want to tell them? What, well, no, let's say we'll save uh, what we're doing for No, the let's next tell month. them. Yeah, I wouldn't know what movie it was. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Tell, talk about what movie it is that we're, we did this week. Yeah. But we'll tell them at the end of this show what we're going to do. You get the point. Just I don't, but I'm just going to go on and do the thing I was doing. So um, one of our patrons, uh, Jamie, uh, mentioned that Tom Petty's acting career was super interesting. Yeah. Specifically, they talked about The Postman. So we watched The Postman. Uh, it was quite the thing. Uh, you should go listen to that podcast. It's up. came out Tuesday. Yeah. came out a few days ago. Uh, should I say anything else about it here? Nope. Should I just go listen? You're the you're the maestro of the speaking at the moment, Boyle. All right. Well, yeah. Go go listen to that thing. It was pretty fun. Next, the next one we'll do is the movie UHF. Uh, I'll t- I'll say Weird that. Out. We just watched that. You guys just watched that? We did. Heather you and, and Heather. That's it. awesome. That's great. It's a great movie. What? Call them in. <laughs> call yeah. We, maybe we'll call you in for that one too. We'll see. I don't know. Two two people might be the better thing. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about Tom hey, Petty's well, acting, um, can we talk about you King of the Hill? Come back to me for my favorite. Do you want to come back now? Yes, now is good. Okay, let's hear it. Because it's not it's not like the typical. It's I need to know from. Uh, you're gonna get it. It's just like he plays like a hundred miles an hour, and and it's just like it's not exactly what he's known for but um he kind of comes back to it with running down a dream that no 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 you know fast stuff but he's young and hungry and you know all that kind of stuff it's it's just it's weird but it's one of my favorites fair enough let's play it Believe it or not, Donnie, that is the only song that stood out of You're Gonna Get It for me. It was my favorite song off that album. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I think David Spade played that song on SNL. Really? <laughs> yeah, with Tom Petty. It was, it was awful. We watched a clip of it. We watched, uh, prior to watching the clip of him doing it on SNL, somebody on YouTube put a, a audio clip of him reading from his autobiography talking about the clip so you just see a picture of david spade's book and then him reading over his own book he did the uh, the audible or the audiobook or whatever reading of it and then he was talking about uh singing that song with tom petty on snl and then the next clip that it played was the 30 second clip of him singing it from snl huh. there's quite a little quite a little thing going on 
I was hoping you would play a uh, band of the hand, Donnie. Oh, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> that is the that's song. Hard to f- Go ahead. That's hard to find. It's on. It's on Spotify. The album is. It's a song um, that Bob Dylan did for a movie called Band of the Hand, and he sings it with Tom Petty uh, for the soundtrack. And that was prior. It was in '86, so that would have been prior to the Wilburys. So it was kind of probably planting of the seed of the Wilburys. But Donnie showed me that song probably a few years ago, probably two or three years ago at least. I didn't even think about it until I was looking up some stuff, uh, like features that Tom Petty had done, and that popped up. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Look it up, I guess, sometime, if you like it. It'll be linked in the description. <laughs> yes, it no. will. Speaking of soundtracks, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers actually made an entire soundtrack because they did this, this song, or She's the One. Mm-hmm. The, the movie? Yeah, that movie. Oh, yeah. And on there, they have a, a cover of a, a Beck song Oh my! called Asshole. Oh, nice. Yeah, Asshole is the, the cover from Beck that they did. It was It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I liked it. Instead of like um, watching the movie and writing songs like about the movie, didn't he just give them some out like unused songs? Like here's some songs that that's correct. Wasn't it? <laughs> that is so funny. It's like... <laughs> I wasn't gonna use these, so if you want to put them in your movie, that's fine. Okay, did everybody say their favorite song? I believe so. Hey, all right. Well, then I think we're I think we're good. I think we did it. Does anybody have any closing thoughts on Tom Petty? We didn't. We definitely didn't get to cover as much as I would have liked to. But I think that it's we... It's a lot to cover. It's a lot to cover. Yeah. We had a lot of ground. I blame so we Dex. played pretty general. <laughs> I don't know to what degree it really, I don't know, shows anything. But, you know, the fact that his hit his hits are so great, it, that's the most memorable Super Bowl halftime performance uh, that I have, for instance, was when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers played. And it was really good. It's probably the best one, you know, that I can remember. And I remember the Stones playing. They sucked a bunch. You can thank Janet Jackson and her boobs for that. After <laughs> well, after fun. that after that happened, they went uh, to classic rock so that that never would happen again. Because uh, well, they did he all those. It. Hmm? Oh yeah, because uh, that, that was phenomenal. The Stones did it. Uh, Springsteen did it. Petty did it, and uh, Prince did it. I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Prince then, was also Prince good. was great. Uh, Where's one more person that did it? That was a classic rock person. Lady Gaga. No. Yeah, Katy Perry. I don't remember who the other one Left was. Left Shark. <laughs> Left Shark. <laughs> That's the one. Left Shark. Um, do you want to tell quickly tell the story of Edge of Seventeen, Dex? Yeah, sure. It's oh, on yeah, the, that's it's a on good the story. list. Yeah, so uh, Stevie Nicks was talking. Uh, she was friends with Tom Petty. She was talking to his wife of the time, uh, and she was like, "Yeah, well, when did you meet Tom?" And she was like, "Well, I was the age of seventeen, and she had some sort of accent. I don't know what kind of accent she had, but well, he was from Gainesville. Was she? Where, do you know where she was from? Anyone know? I don't know. But uh, Stevie Nicks heard the Edge of Seventeen and was like. That is the most badass thing I've ever, I've never, I've ever heard. I'm gonna write a song about it, and so she did. It looks like uh, Stevie Nicks had originally planned to use that title for a song about the two of them, but then uh, her uncle Jonathan died in the same week that John Lennon died, was assassinated. That would be more appropriate to say, of course. Um, and so she changed the song, uh, the the song's inspiration to uh, the feelings. That she had of uh, being with her family after the death of her uncle and the death of John Lennon. Hmm. Hmm. This I looked up uh, Tom Petty's wife to figure out uh, where she's from for that accent, 
And this article says, uh, Tom Petty, ex-wife, Jane Binyo's bio, cancer, death, divorce. Which order, <laughs> which order do you think it came in? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, boy. I see that. Affairpost.com. That's a pretty, uh, I trust, I trust that source, Jared. Affairpost.com. Oh, my. Cool. We didn't talk about King of the Hill. We got to mention that he was. Oh, yeah, she was, yeah. Go ahead. Go she ahead. She was from Gainesville as well, by oh, the way. Okay. Oh, Southern accent, Southern accent, I guess. Both from Gainesville. Well, a Florida, a Florida Southern accent, which is, it's a Northern Florida accent. It's a little different. Depending yeah. on where you're at, it can be very similar. It depends. Listen, there ain't no Georgia or Alabama accent, pal. I've been studying dialects. I mean, if you're right you on the Florida that Georgia like a year line. ago, actually. Well, I've been, it's continual. I don't remember what Pretty episode well. you said that, but I remember you saying that you study dialects, and I can't remember when it was. Well, tell us in Patreon. Yeah, so King of the Hill, yeah. he was lucky, lucky Kleinschmidt, Mary's Luann, yep. one of the best recurring characters ever. He he became like a main cast at one point. Oh, love that show. I could talk about it for an hour, so that's where I'm going to stop. It's a good show. He's good too. Voices him, and they made him look kind of like him, but more jaggly toothed. Yeah, more hillbilly. Wow, he, he's a weird looking or dude. Redneck. That's for sure. He's an interesting guy. looking guy. Yeah, he looks like that vo- that video that they did, uh, where it's the Alice in Wonderland thing. He looks like a Mad Hatter, like mm-hmm. even without any like. He now in the video looks like it, obviously, but prior to being in an Alice in Wonderland thing, he looks like a character from Alice in Wonderland. It's quite a thing. Wasn't that Don't Come Around Here No More? Uh, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. He looked better with a beard. He actually looked better older. He looked more normal as an old man. He did. Speaking of that song, I was going to bring this up earlier, but I didn't get to. Um, the He co-wrote that song with the other member of the band Rhythmics. The mm-hmm. male from the band Rhythmics, he co-wrote that song. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. He's a cool guy. Tom Petty. He, he looked the best. He looked the best from the pack up the plantation with the ginormous sideburns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his top hat I love his top yes. hats well let's rip him rip the man hey Tyler yeah you wanted to play a song and you said you'd get mad if we didn't oh yeah it doesn't have to be in the episode but if you play uh, it's on the first album it's a fourth track the wild one forever there's two notes there's two notes in the beginning of that song see if we can guess it on the show if not we'll yeah. cut it yeah Play uh, the song Shape of My Heart by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> that's not what I'm thinking of, I know, but that's, that could still do it, Jared. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You got it, Jared. You didn't get what I was thinking of, but you definitely got it. You win. You win anyway. I'm thinking of the song... What were you thinking of? Did you get it? It goes, it goes, no, I never could figure out. It goes, dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm talking about? It's got that little riff in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what is that? What know. is that song? I don't know. I wish Genius yeah. knew how to help us. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, the one that uh, I, 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 tell me if you think that 
you can hear the same thing that I hear. I'm going to play a, a, only the briefest little bit of the song Think About Me. You don't think about me. When he says that, does it sound like he's singing Footloose? Mm. No, I don't no, think so. Not really. Okay. Cut that for sure. But I, I, every time I heard it, I was like, that sounds like Footloose to me. And I don't know why. I like that I got that. Yeah, it's pretty good. That I, mean, I don't, I don't think I actually got it, but I that I came up with anything remotely close to what it actually sounded like. Right. That's that's a win. I think that's the end of the show. Go, Jared. It is. Oh God, now it's going to bug me. You know the song I'm talking about, Cody? Yeah. I feel like it's like, yeah. is it like a foreigner or something like that? No, because I hate foreigner and I like this song. <laughs> His his they reasoning is something I hate. His reasoning is always on point. There's no fail for sure. For sure. All right. Listen, I looked through a bunch of recent stuff I listened to and like it was it this, was it this, was it this? I looked through Guess Who because I listened to Guess Who. I looked through Neil Young because I listened to some Neil Young. I can't find it anywhere. I don't know what it is. It's driving me nuts. Think on it. Do we have any closing thoughts? I don't think so. We've been doing closing thoughts for like 20 minutes. Yeah. I know. That's why I'm trying to... Do we have any closing, <laughs> those, closing those thoughts? Those were the closing thoughts. All of those. <laughs> okay. We just had. Okay. Well, then, if we have nothing else that we would like to say... Do- Donnie, thank you for being here, of course. Yes. Thank you. It was fun. We always appreciate your your uh, your inclusion in the show. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Come back down in June. Do we have uh, any- I don't think we're allowed. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. not. I'm just saying that. Hey, Dax, did we have anything else that was mentioned on Patreon? Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got a favorite track. You want to do a favorite track? Of course. We can end the show with a favorite track, depending on what it is. Uh, he, he actually posted three. This is from Albert. Uh, he posted uh, favorite tracks, Something in the Air, Breakdown, and Wildflowers. Mm. Well, we didn't play. I wouldn't mind well, ending so- with Wildflowers, but I mean, we didn't play I Won't Back Down the entire, like, yeah. Come on now. Or or free falling. Or free falling. Or running down a dream. Just go listen to Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. just go listen to Tom Petty. Yeah, let's end with Wildflowers and then uh those songs. Obviously it's a it's a tragedy we didn't play them, but And if you want to put your input into the show, if you want to have a little voice, uh go to patreon.com slash record roundtable. Not only can you uh join in on the fun here, you can vote on Good Band, Bad Band, and you can watch our new sh- uh podcast or listen to it. You can do something with it. Uh, with the two dollar cinema club and we have a discord That's, and we have a website we got yeah. a lot of stuff going on all kinds of stuff uh recordroundtable.com is our website yeah it's updated and looks better and stuff i post music reviews now so if you ever want to look at a music review of every album from any group that we listen to then hey guess what that's where they are thank you for listening to this week's edition of record roundtable this week we've been talking about tom oh that i think that donnie were you playing with your phone there i just set it down sorry Uh, okay you're okay (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's edition of record round table this week we've been talking about tom petty and the heartbreakers and next week we're talking about weird al yankovic weird al yankovic we're talking about weird al yankovic Check out our social media, website, Patreon, all that junk. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Hey, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. 
get excited for Weird Al Yankovic, because I know we are. 